Good day again. Javredge here, welcoming you to the second part of The Gorgon's Vampire on the podcast Evane Legends. I play the unruly character of Chris Flynn. Perhaps when you've finished listening to this, you might want to check out the ticket office at the Lowestoft Playhouse, where I'm currently starring in a one-man production of Ulysses by James Joyce. Reviewers have called it confusing and long. Back at the end of the podcast with further details, but for now, over to the podcast. Welcome to Urbane Legends. A podcast about urban legends and how to act in a courteous and refined manner, but much less about that. Here's your host, Neil and Chris. So, Another Glasgow girl was Jenny We the M Iron Teeth, a hideous witch said to have prowled around Glasgow Green in the early 1800s. Jenny was infamous for devouring children who refused to sleep. <laughs> a rhyme about her was told to kids who wouldn't go to bed. And this is a lovely, um, this is a lovely little ditty. I will have to do it in my cod Scottish because. It's written in Cod Scottish. So. Yeah, I think you're going to have to. It's a bit like a, a, a Robert Burns poem yeah, or something exactly. like that. It's it's, it's um, yeah meant to be pronounced phonetically. And, and I think you just want to put a picture in people's heads here before you do this, Chris. That you know you got some you know some small child crying because he's hungry. Then, yeah, he's hungry. You know, he's you know all oh, bit bitten from bugs. Probably got typhoid. Your tiny mother's just going to sing him off to sleep with a lovely little poem that will just you know. Just, just yeah. you know, give him good dreams and just send him off for the night. Jenny with the iron teeth, come and tuck the bairn. Tuck into your den, where the bogey bides. But first put bath on your teeth, in his wee plump sides. <laughs> so, Jenny with the iron teeth, come and take oh, the oh, child. Lights off. Take him to your den. Where the bogey lives, uh, but first put both your big teeth in. Uh, put both your big teeth in his wee plump sides, in his little fat sides. So that's um, that's nice, isn't it? So go to bed, or we'll get the witch in here. We'll take you to her den, where the bogey lives. Bogey man, I guess, which she is. Don't know. That's a confusing line. Um, and uh, he'll uh, they'll they'll eat your the, the flanks of of your body. <laughs> it's extraneous, isn't it? You don't need that. I'll leave some moderate scarring. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> You've got it to spare. Yeah, that, well, I mean, depends I mean, how deep they bite in. You know, could take to yeah. possibly take the kidneys. I mean, that's going to cause some serious problems. Yeah. I'd imagine. <laughs> Maybe if they heat the iron teeth up first, it cauterizes. <laughs> problems. Yeah, but it'd be difficult um, to put in your mouth, wouldn't it? So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, better, better yeah, than, than yeah. you in that case, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, an iron teeth. Why am I having trouble sleeping after that? Absolutely. Yes. Well, there's um, I mean, you know, parenting's moved on, hasn't it? Because there's. There's a you know a, a, a rich and varied history of threat, of threatening kids 
if they won't behave with the supernatural mm. or terrifying. Pretty much all fairy tales. That's one of them. <laughs> um, there's um, there's the weird character from Holland, who's their version of Father Christmas, but he's like the anti Father Christmas called Swatty Pete, which is oh, you know, I've heard of this guy. It's like um, so his yeah, Swatty Pete means swarthy Pete, and basically he is from North Africa, and um yeah. uh, he come yeah it's it's unfortunate but it's still go they still have parades with him now and he goes i think it's largely the it's becoming increasingly um well it's about them yeah it was about polarized the, yeah it was about the, it would have been about the moors and that kind of stuff when it yeah, first it's, came it's, about but basically basically a bit you, of a racist caricature and the fact that they dress a white man up in blackface yeah. which i believe is how represented these days it's not really and if you're not good like then this. him and his uh, crewmates will put the children in the bag and then sell sell them into slavery. So that's what they've got. So if you're not if you're not good at Christmas, you don't get your presents. You get taken by um, a, a more just a bit of culture. How could anyone possibly take that amiss? I think that was like insanely racist. Well, I think that probably came about um, because Spain was, and it's quite surprising that Spain was. Um, in charge of Holland for quite a while, wasn't it? Much to the chagrin of the Dutch, Spain ruled yeah, Holland. I, th- I think it just during that period, things where it's um, you know during that period, the, the Moors would have been their enemies because obviously there was um, the Moorish um, expanded into Spain, and there's a lot of hostility there. Less than nice architecture, though. So you know, although you're not getting a you're not getting a similar thing in Spain, are you? Where it was much more. I don't know. Maybe. I think they've got. I can't remember if this is Spain or Belgium, but I remember this from from back in when they used to show things on Euro Trash. There was a a thing called the a shitlug. Yeah, there was the yeah. crapper thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kids who've been naughty. You get if you're good, Father Christmas will leave you a present. If not, it'll leave you a turd. Basically, <laughs> they made them out of chocolate and stuff. It was quite brilliant. Oh, lovely stuff. Um, so an iron tooth monster also appeared in the Old Testament Book of Daniel in which the prophet dreamed of four beasts. You'll know this already, Neil. Behold the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, it had great iron teeth. As the Gorbals had a significant Protestant, Catholic and Jewish populations, it's possible that a child could have heard about this monster at church or synagogue and told their friends. Aided by a vivid imagination and rapidly spreading whispers, the youngsters could have transformed this... uh, Biblical, Jesus, um, I've <laughs> not said that for a while. Beast into the Gorbals vampire, perhaps augmenting it with bits of Scottish urban folklore. So, what was the significance of the iron teeth? It strikes me that the Gorbals vampire's iron teeth were its most outstanding feature. Outstanding! <laughs> Kenny Hughes says, we were told, or we picked up in school, that it was someone called the man with the iron teeth, and we started to scream, who's the man with the iron teeth? And apparently it had big fangs that came down like a walrus or something. <laughs> Impractical iron teeth. <laughs> okay, so these are like proper like... <clears throat> I don't... Yeah. I, I mean, they're doing a lot of theorising there, which I think is... I think, I think it's just like a silly legend. It's, it's a vampire, but... Oh, but for an extra thing, the fangs are made of iron. You know, yeah, I, well, this is kids, of, isn't it? This is kids' imaginations. I think, you know, 
thinking that oh well it could have come out of the bible or whatever i can't think uh, i can't help thinking that the myths of the iron tooth monster are related to the uh, to industrial poverty of gorbals and the steelworks living over it while providing employment for some steelmaking posed dangers to the health of its workers and put them at risk of accidents and that's in addition to the air noise and light pollution steelworks cause Guy Holland from the Gorbel Citizens Theatre said the local area at the time was dominated by Dixon's Blaze. Dixon's Blaze is the iron foundry would go 24-7 belching out smoke with the night sky lit up in orange. Yeah, so it would be kind of a spooky place, well, horrible place to grow up, wouldn't it? The sky would always be mm. orange and churning smoke out and stuff. Um, yeah, and it's that kind of... Like Mills from Jerusalem. And it's kind of that lack of... I would have felt... Um, very claustrophobic, you'd imagine. There was clanky noises of metal going on and the area was polluted and smelt pretty foul. And it was directly behind the necropolis. I think that might have had much to do with it as anything else. Kids knocking about in the graveyard at night and all the smoke and colours going on. The noise, it's a potent mix. As well as being the home to heavy industry, the Gorbals was one of Glasgow's most poverty-stricken districts. By the end of the 19th century, the area was overcrowded and blighted by poor sanitation. Many people lived there because their firms provided worker housing and they couldn't afford their own. In the 20th century, as some local industry declined and unemployment grew, the area gained a reputation for crime and drunkenness. But migrants still steamed into the Gorbals from the countryside, with many arriving from the Scottish Highlands. The area also received immigration from overseas, with the Irish Catholic, Jewish and Italian communities growing up. By the 30s, around 90,000 residents were crammed into this small district. That's a lot. The Gorbals isn't very big, if you have a look at it on a map. Which had a population density of 40,000 per square kilometre. Such conditions bred high infant mortality, and it's worth noting that vampires were accused of killing two children. Could the Gorbals vampire and earlier myths like Iron Man and Jenny Wid and Tith have emerged from the poverty and pollution of the Gorbals? Could they have been a personification of the hazard faced by the urban industrial poor, the fog-laden sulphur-tinted air with billowing of smoke and clunk of iron all around? Could malnutrition overcrowding have conjured up these strangely modern monsters in the inhabitants' minds? It's interesting that critics of the industrial capitalism liken the system to a vampire, sucking workers' blood and working blood. In 1867, Karl Marx wrote in Capital, capitalism is dead labour, which the vampire-like lives only by sucking living labour, and lives the more and the more labour it sucks. Incidentally, industrial America also gave birth a strange myth called, called uh, a giant called uh, Joe Magarak, who stirred vats of molten steel with his bare hands. Mm. The Gorbals Vampire episode would go on to shake the nation. Those outraged by the incident will soon find something easier to blame and take over the complex issues like poverty and industrial pollution. So, the Gorbals vampire terrifies the nation and its blame is pinned on... Comics. Comic books. Comics, yeah. Yeah. So the Glaswegian vampire hunt soon made it into the local press. It wasn't long before the story was picked up by national papers. People started searching for a cause of the hysteria that had gripped one of Britain's major cities. The culprit was swiftly discovered. American horror comics <laughs> that were beginning to get popular with UK youngsters. It was argued these comics with lurid titles like Tales from the Crypt. It's not very lurid. <laughs> no, the Vault of, time, really. The Vault of Horror. <laughs> well, yeah, but you've got to remember, I mean, things are pretty lesser fair in UK censorship now. But I remember that Teenage Mutant 
Ninja Turtles. The, um, became, yeah, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Hero Turtles, because yeah. Ninja was considered too violent. Right, and that's, no, absolutely. And that's in the 90s. Nunchucks, because then they'd want to just go out, but... 13 was just all go out and bun and chips and start, we'd start doing flying kicks at each other. And but, I mean, that that was still all in the cartoon, but it said got rid of, yeah, yeah. got rid of Ninja and switched it to Hero because, I don't know, reasons. And that was in the 90s, do you know what I mean? So, hysterical idiots who don't really understand cause and effect. But, yeah, no, that, that was nice. And I, I seem to remember as well, I think this was in the 50s when um, there was Lady Chatley's Lover, there was the, um, the, the lawsuit about whether it should be censored or something. And I think the judge, he's, he's summing up, he said something like, is this really the sort of book, or it might have been the prosecution barrister, I'm not sure, but anyway, it's the sort of book that you would want your wife or your servant to read, <laughs> the kind of people, and how, um, how you know, yeah, what, what their perspective and, and their, their worldview is. So, yeah, you know, but, yeah, the 50s were still quite a sheltered time, and, yeah, I mean, I think they probably would have looked, I mean, just the idea of a comic book would probably have been quite, well, no, and I why, think... Why can't, you read, why can't you read your Latin grammar? I think also... They don't teach any of us Latin. We're in the shit girls by the time it's about <laughs> I think also there is... Um, because during the war, during the war, which was just before this, then there was constant paranoia of outside influences, like fifth columnists, communists, mm. which would have been going on here and that kind of stuff. So, and the thing is, it was a very tumultuous time in politics before the war as well, wasn't it? Like there was, you know, the black hats and stuff like that all rising up. Mm. Um, So I think that people were very, very touchy about anything considered outside, like an outsider influence that was subversive and probably put a lot too much kind of credence in that kind of thing. Well, I think as well, like at that point in the fifties, you start like America's got starting to become very bold and kind of self-assured, putting out kind of like quite interesting stuff. It's a bit like the whole, you know, music stuff. You're starting now to sort of get these, you know, rock music coming out and influencing the UK. And I think there's a whole thing in Hard Day's Night with Beatles where there's, you know, there's like some guys like I fought in a war for your your generation, and then he's like, but you wish you had now. Yeah. Hey, lad, no one asked you so. <laughs> Whatever, man. Yeah. I'm not bothered. But yeah. You know, since that generation, they would have been quite shocked that they're sort of like, uh, you know, all Long this hair. America. Well, it's not the sort of thing we need over here, thank you very much. Yeah, there was still very much the, and there still is very much the establishment, isn't there? So, um, yeah, because I think at that time as well, I mean, and it's fucking sort disgusting, of isn't it, that it's still here and is oh, yeah, running just, the country? We just, we're such a self loathing country, we just we can't get enough of it. Servile people that we are, but no, but again, I think the other thing as well is that kind of like, um, there wasn't a youth culture, no, there were you were a child and then you were an adult, exactly. Yeah, you know, teenagers kind of like that's something that came out really from. America, America in the 50s, 50s, yeah. And then probably wasn't that prevalent here until the 60s or, you know, coming into mid to late 50s or something like that. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. You're a a child and then at 18, then you're an adult. And you you dress like your dad, like pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. Smoke, yeah, get your pipe game on. So... um, so they inf- they were inflaming the imaginations with their graphic images of monsters, murder, and mayhem. Young minds were being polluted by these terrifying and corrupt 
publications. And the blame was truly pinned, or should I say staked, on the comics when it turned out that it had featured a monster similar to the Gorgles Vampire, a 1953 issue of Dark Mysteries, and included a story called The Vampire with the Iron Teeth. A strange coalition formed to campaign against the comics. It composed of teachers, Christians, and keen to limit the influence of American cultures, uh, communists, communists. (laughs) Now let's all all, uh, take after the Stalin guy. He seems a bit more on the up and up. Um, A debate took place in the House of Commons in which the Gorbals Labour MP, Alice Cullen, played a a prominent role. The upshot was that the Children and Young Persons Harmful Publications Act of 1955, which banned the sales of repulsive or ho- repulsive or horrible reading material to children, uh, the act is still in law today. That's good to know. Well, is, it took us until the 50s to repeal the Witchcraft Act, so it gives a while, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but is it is it still? I mean... I mean... It, I mean, I, to be honest with you... Well, Firstly, I mean, because you, you, you don't really get these things where someone says, like, oh, well, technically, you know, you, if you fire at a Scotsman with your bow and arrow from a yeah. castle, you might be prosecuted. Bollocks. No. Yeah. The, murder's murder. Yeah. <laughs> it supersedes that. Yes, some of these things are still, quote-unquote, on the books, yeah. coming from Middle Ages, just because nobody's ever bothered to rescind them, because you don't need to, because yeah. they, they get overtaken by modern laws. So. You know, whenever you get one of those things, it's like, yeah. But the, the thing is, people go like three o'clock in the morning, and you fire your crossbow at the gypsy. Yeah, and then and then yeah. someone instantly goes, <laughs> yeah. But then someone just goes, they go, oh yeah, but it's in the law, and they go, yeah. But I mean, I can, <laughs> I can set you back to a case from two years after that, which set precedent that shooting someone with a crossbow was murder. So you know. <laughs> It's the most up-to-date interpretation of the law that we tend to go with. Not. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, none of these things. Are... They're a bit of fun. They're a bit of fun. Yeah, exactly. But um... it's interesting. So, oh, look, look at these silly, silly things that we had that you know revealed, and you know, and a lot of it probably would have been around. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you know, it's archaic and it just reveals things about our past. But uh, yeah, I would say so. That harm, young persons brackets harmful publication act of nineteen fifty-five which by the sale of repulsive or horrible reading back to children, right? So I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the later, so I'm talking kind of mid, mid-90s, mid 2000 mm. AD annuals, which I bought, were pretty fucking violent. A lot more mm. than these 1950s things. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. I mean, well, like that was... Ultra-violent. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, it was very satirical, wasn't it? Two thousand AD stuff. It was kind of. But like I mean, post- but how does that fit in with this children and young persons harmful publication act? Well, it's, it's a question of whether or not you choose to prosecute under, I suppose, and also you have to define those. Uh, it's that you feel well. I don't know. You'd have to see see how the act was worded, but it's 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 how you define those kind of things, and I suspect it becomes because it's also with these things it becomes about case law, doesn't it? So, like yeah. you know, you have to you'd have to prove that it was. Met, met those terms and those those things can shift over time. Yeah, and, so. and perhaps because to be honest, you know, comics are. I mean, they used to be like that because there were, again there wasn't much entertainment. Kids all used to get comics, 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 comics. I used to get the yeah. Beano every week when I was a kid. Um, used to look forward to it, have it saved at the newsagents. 
you know, it was one of the days you look forward to because it's something new to look at <laughs> rather than just four walls of your padded cell. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, kids used to get comics all the time, but I suppose, I mean, they're niche now. I mean, they're still a big comic market, but it tends to be comic collectors or dads that get their kids into comics. They're not they're not like the prime resource of entertainment for kids these days. No, they? I mean, they're quite over the hill a lot of, isn't they? Because I, I don't know if you saw there was a... There's a documentary a few years back. They talked about the origins of the Beano and stuff like that. Mm. So one thing I never really well, got was kids. Yeah, well, they, do, they was like you know they always end up with a slap up meal at the end of the comment. Slap up nosh. Yeah, so. yeah, like <laughs> for, uh, six sausages sticking out of a big thing and yeah, mash. Yeah, a pile of uh, yeah. And it's basically I'm totally obvious, but when they first started writing these post-war, mm. you know, rationing and all the rest of it, a lot of kids were still hungry. So that was like an amazing treat, like loads of you know. Big pile yeah. of meat and mashed potato and gravy. That would have been like a dream come true. Well, I remember... Convincing... Cow pie. Like yeah. I remember convincing my mum to allow me to eat a whole Fred Bentos pie, but leave it in the tin because it was like desperate Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something which I still do to this day. <laughs> when I'm, when I'm not on my Hollywood diets. Um, so... Were American comics really to blame for the Gorbals vampire hysteria? It might seem obvious that comics portraying iron fang vampires could spark hysteria about such a creature, but closer examination of facts suggests it wasn't the case in the Gorbals. There's no evidence of that any of the Gorbal vampire hunters had ever glimpsed an American comic, and some seem to have only the vaguest notion about what vampires were. Vampire hunter Bob Hamilton admitted he had no idea what a vampire was, saying nobody knew we needed stakes, we didn't have Christopher Lee to explain... You had to put a stake through the heart to kill him. We were just going to cut the head off. End of story. That's a good, good Glaswegian thing. Yeah, there. yeah. get the head off. That'll get nah, the job we'll just done. Just cut the head off. End of story. Yeah, cool. um, I like it. Don't know what we'd have done if we'd met one. Ronnie Sanderson said, "I just remember scampering home to mother. What's the matter with you? I've seen a vampire, and I've got a clout round my ear for the trouble. I didn't know what a vampire was." <laughs> That's <laughs> the thing. Cause, yeah, I mean, a comic book. Presumably would have been a bit of a luxury item in those mm. days. There's no way these kids are all sort of re. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, it, it's one of those things, and the the press gets so complicit in it. But you know, whenever there's um, some awful crime mm-hmm. in this country or, or Scotland, wherever, you know, they'll always like video nasties. That was a big thing in the eighties, wasn't yeah, it? Video or games. When the Hunterford massacre happens, it was all oh well, you know, he'd been he'd been watching Rambo three. No, there was evidence that he'd rented it from a shop like three months before or something. There was like also that. evidence that he had severe mental health issues and exactly, delusions. <laughs> and and had access to automatic weaponry, which to be fair, we did swiftly like made that um That was after Dunblane. We, oh no, that was yeah. handguns after Dunblane. We got rid of them as well. Handguns, but yeah, the automatic weaponry after which you still can actually yeah, in this country. People think well, I know you've got can't. a huge collection of guns, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Nobody's 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 getting into my flat. Stealing my jewels. <laughs> Nobody's stealing my guns. I had to buy the guns to protect the guns, you see. That's it. The most valuable yeah. things I own. Um, What's, what, can be, no. what can be a madman with a gun? Another madman with a gun? Two men. Two madmen with two guns. Yeah. <laughs> it's the American exactly. system. Escalation. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way to do it. <laughs> what, what could possibly go wrong? Now just a few paranoid lunatics hoarding a load of automatic weaponry. Um, no. Yeah, so, I mean, and I do think that um, no matter what the NRA say, I do think that reducing the number of firearms in circulation in the populace 
does actually bring down gun crime quite significantly, as we've seen in most of Europe, the UK, Australia. I'm not going to get into it because statistics are <laughs> cases have proved over and over again. Yeah. Um, even though, many, you know, also, it's how many school shootings we've had since we banned all firearms, like handguns and automatic weapons. We've had none. How many have you had in America today? Do you know what I mean? It's and fair enough. It's a bigger country, but. But, but, I mean, it's got, like, five times our population, and it's got more than five times the amount of school shootings. So make of that what you will. But also it can be around just having controls, because I think Finland, everyone owns a gun, but um, they're, they're very tightly, you know... Yeah, that's just in case controlled. Russia get tasty again. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. They don't muck around. Well, I think as well, because probably quite a lot of people living out in the sort of... used to be quite hardy in Finland, I suspect. They've got, they've got the yeah, well, they hunt um, and stuff, don't they? Don't driving they? licence to get... Well, it's... Yeah, because it's, you know, there's yeah, quite it's a... Yeah, it's in the north. Yeah. Yeah, they reckon that's why they've got so many good fat rally drivers, because they're... Yep. But in order to get a driving license, so you have to know how to sort of drive over rubble and all of this sort of stuff, this special manoeuvres and things. And the person who's killed the most people ever in war was a Finnish sniper. Really? Yeah. Uh, let me just look him up. Very much the Sparta of Europe these days, I think. But unlike Sparta, where they'll throw you off a cliff um, if you're not tough enough, what they do is give you a living wage... Um, yeah just for everyone in the country from the government and then um people can do jobs on top of that to raise their own standards so kind of not quite like sparta but yeah exactly and it's um i quite like got dry sense of humor as well you know they invented a 10 molotov cocktail yeah because um yeah when when russia was well allegedly bombing finland during the second world war they claim that actually, I think it was Molotov was the, the minister or something at the time in Russia, and he was saying that uh, we were no dropping food parcels, and so they invented a way to sort of throw these these petrol bombs at tanks to stop yeah. them invading. And so no, there's there's a drink to go with your uh, cocktail <laughs> to go with your food parcels. Oh nice, no, I didn't know that was the right one. Yeah. So the name, the guy's name was uh, Simo Haya, and he had at least 505 confirmed kills in World War. I think. I know in the winter war of 3940 when the Soviet Union tried to take over Finland and he achieved the nickname White Death Um, and basically he was just a farmer um, and he enjoyed snow skiing hunting and shooting and that was what he was and then he got consigned up and he was um, because of his I assume knowledge and ability to get around the terrain and also his shooting prowess. Yeah, it's quite a lot, isn't it? 505. So, let's get back into this. So, neither Ronnie Sanderson nor Tam Smith had a TV in their homes or had even seen a comic book. According to comic expert Barry Forshaw, a British child getting their hands on American horror comic would have been like discovering the Holy Grail. Mr. Forshaw said it was a perfect fit. Here's a campaign looking to justify itself, and this event happens. It's Mm -hmm. ironic that the moral furore between Scotland, where the comics like The Dandy and the Beano, published in Dunbee, couldn't have been more safe. Could the vampire have morphed out of the magical realist world that children inhabit? Vivid stories are invented by kids all across the world, stories which often feature monstrous, terrifying, and grotesques. And the children of Gorbals had more fuel for their fantasy than most kids because their neighbourhood lacked open space. They used the Southern Acropolis as a playing field. Kenny Hughes said, um, would all head up 
Uh, hey, I like it. We'll all head up off the um, up the gravy, the graveyards. Nice one. Good. <laughs> Let's get out the gravy. Yeah, and afterwards we'll go down the creme. Um, if you're out playing, you went up there, spending evenings and weekends in a sprawling cemetery in which 250,000 Glaswegians were interned, running, along, uh, running among the huge and gloomy Victorian monuments, seeing the flames dying from the steelworks. It's all may have pushed children's imagination further towards the macabre. Bob Hamilton said... We used to... they didn't have any fields to play in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing the cemetery, fair enough. Yeah. We used to sit up there and tell ghost stories. Um, so, I think that's... So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a look at the conclusion bit here because there's some more stuff, but I don't really need to read it. So where did it come from? And what's the legacy? The Gorbals vampire seemed to have risen from a mix of ingredients: a spooky and much frequented cemetery, the stress caused by overcrowding, poverty, industrial pollution, earlier legends of similar demons which could easily be conjured back into life in such surroundings. Add to this the tendency of children to blur the boundaries of the fantastical and real, and we can see how the Gorbals vampire emerged. The children's response could also be linked to a certain trait in the psyche of the Gorbals, a working-class grittiness. Playwright John McKnight, who's played the Gorbals vampire, was staged in the neighbourhood in 2016, said, there's something just fascinating about the idea of primary school kids going on to take a vampire. (laughs) I love that in the Gorbals. You're actually right, let's get the bastard to Nate. (laughs) Yeah, fair play to him. Yeah. In contrast to the moral panic of earlier years, the Gorbals now seems proud of its vampire residents of the district. A resident of the district volunteered to act in McKnight's play, and perhaps ironically, staging of the play ran alongside a competition for local school children to create a horror comic and even desired a mural in homage to the monster. And the mural is proudly displayed in Gorbals today. The neighbourhood is now very much redeveloped and gentrified and has lost some of its working class edge, but I suspect the spirit of the past will be laid to rest. Less easy than the legend of the Gorbals vampire. So, I mean, there we go. That I was going to say, though, talk about it all being gentrified and, you know, losing its edge. Yeah. I mean, I think it probably needed a bit of the edge taken off, frankly. You know, I don't think anyone wants <laughs> to have grown up in a fucking slum. So, no. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't get me wrong, I'm aware of the um, the consequences of gentrification and all the rest of it. But, yeah. um, I'm not suggesting it's a force for, for good, um, but uh, no, and the, yeah, think, and the fact the kids yeah. went that's a really Glasgow thing, isn't it? Like that, the fact that the kids were like, right, let's go and get this vampire rather than being scared of it. It's like that when that guy tried to do the terrorist attack at Glasgow Airport, mm. and um, the Glaswegian bloke just went and kicked him really hard in the balls and then knocked him out. <laughs> I can't remember, yeah. can't remember what he said, and then he said something really funny like really kind of Glaswegian. But there's that kind of like, while most of the world has a fight or flight response, Glaswegians have lost the flight part of it. Yeah. They, <laughs> just straight to fight. Well, fair enough. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm just glad they didn't actually catch up with some poor person and then yeah. mull of the shit out of them because it, it could have turned quite nasty. But, yeah, I mean, um, if they'd just yeah, been like a homeless is. person who was quite tall and actually, sleeping yeah. in there. Um, but fortunately, no one was scathed. Um, okay, Neil. So that was um, that was very comprehensive by David Castilian or Cast- Castleton. I don't want to call him Castilian. I'm just think- thinking of holidays. It's a Spanish friend. Yeah. Um, so that was pro- that was. I mean, there's not much to add to that, really. That's no. I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dried, isn't it? They never they 
I don't think any, and I don't think anyone's really claiming. It doesn't feel like the. Um, it was a point in time thing, and it's really more of a. So I don't know. I suppose it's a bit debatable whether this one's an urban myth or, or it was just a bit. Well, obviously it wasn't a very short-lived urban myth, but it's not. It's not lived on as to people saying, "Oh, you know." And some say the Gorbals vampire no. to this day still roams the bloody blow. No, it was an urban. It was. It was an urban. He went off to Liverpool to live with Spring Hill Jack or something like that. So it was an urban myth, um, and it was an urban myth based on based on prior urban myths, like Jenny Mm. with the teeth, the iron teeth, the iron teeth. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, digging on the uh, the other folklore, and yeah, it's interesting as well to what they were saying around um, like not even really knowing what a vampire was. You know, it just yeah, something bad that let's get out. Let's get him. Um, so, right, let's go through. Um, Not going to bother you if you haven't got a head, tell you that much. <laughs> so, let's go through the um, the the Matrix. Um, yep, yeah. yeah, uh, this week I have, um, I impl- during the week I, I had several sessions with um, a Darren Brown tribute act. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy was called Darren Chocolate. Um, he's also he, he's also a part time stripper. Um, and what I got him to do was he's he's input some stuff into my head, but it's blank at the moment. Like I can't remember anything that he did. But he's tattooed it all across my back like memento. So as these come out, as as we go through this, I'm going to be saying stuff which he's implanted into my brain already, and the score will be on my back. So, yeah, I think that's pretty scientific. So, Neil, spookiness, I'll let you go first. Fire away. Heave ho. Man the cannons. Yeah, so, I mean, again, we've not, I mean, there wasn't really a, a creature. There's nothing too spooky about this other than sort of like having to grow up in the 50s yourself. That would be pretty spooky. Yeah. Living poverty, which is probably, yeah, no, it's not spooky. It's probably one of the more, uh, but yeah, no, fair play to them since they have a sense of humour about it and something you get on. Um, no, I don't think this is this isn't particularly spooky because there's not really a, um, you know, the, the real villains of poverty and politicians missing the point. Um which isn't spooky, it's just depressing. So uh And current. <laughs> yeah, and, and frankly the monster that can never die, even if you yeah, there's no head to take off, just another old Etonian pops up in his place. <laughs> another <bullying laughs> pops in his back. Two more We're in another community in a vampiric <laughs> fashion. Yeah, so no, but um oh, terrifying not myth of the Tories. Anyway, yeah, no. So, no, um, I'm going to go with the one for this. It's not, it's okay. not, it's not spooky. If anything, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's kind of like quite a fun little story. We just, you know, oh, again, it could, it could have gone in another direction, but it just, uh, you know, yeah. I'm going from a different place than you because I'm imagining being there at the time. I'm imagining being one of these kids because I'm taking it from the thing of when this myth was happening. Mm-hmm. No, fair enough. So there's already the spookiness that generations of parents have told you about um, a witch with iron teeth biting your flanks off if you, if, if, if you don't go to sleep. <laughs> so, well, how would that possibly cause you to... So that's going to be... There's going to be a 
a, um, a local societal trauma of that running through the the veins of the Gorblites. Um, and then, to be honest, it sounds like it's quite a... You can imagine it's quite a spooky photograph anyway with the red skies and all the smoke and clang, clang, clang going on and all of that. Um, you would be very insular within that community. You didn't have much... We are seven softies, Chris, so you've got to bear that in mind. Oh, I'm the softest shit. Um, so... I just need to moisturise my hands. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so there's there's that. There's not much contact with the outside world. Like people didn't really go very far back in those days. There wasn't much media. Um, and you you spend your time hanging around in graveyards. And so I think that if someone said there was a monster in that graveyard and you all went up there and there's all the shadows and stuff, I think that is quite spooky. So I'm going to give it a seven for spookiness. I'm going the opposite way to you. Um, and I know, okay. it's a, I know it's a seven because it's been inked on my left teeth. Well, I mean, the only thing I'll say to that is their reaction, again, fair play to them, wasn't to run away. It was to get filled up and go and sort it out. Yeah, but that's, like I said, they don't have the flight response. It's been genetically removed from them through years of horrific tales at bedtime. <laughs> And tenants. Um, so believability. Um, no, not I mean, so the iron teeth is interesting because that's more believable than someone um, being half bat. Uh, <laughs> uh, but obviously, I don't know. And the fact that there's, I mean, before this, back in the 1800s, there was stories of kids going missing a couple of kids going missing. So I think that's probably something which in a very tight-knit community would stick in the collective conscious. Um, we don't know what happened to them. It's not no, Presumably infant mortality rates weren't the best. Yeah, but I think these were kids community. that had got past that stage, otherwise it wouldn't have been thought about particularly. Um, I don't know. There's, what's that, there's that weird, there was that weird sort of, semi-mythical family in Scotland of those people that trap like um got people off the like who were travellers. The cannibals, I can't remember yeah. if this was in Scotland or in Yeah, it's in Scotland, yeah. yeah. So okay, that, yeah, that, yeah, so that's kind of so it's believable that there were cannibals in Scotland. <laughs> right. But no, I think that's probably a well, no, that's that's pretty I think that's pretty well known to be true of that particular nuts family. Um, yeah, I looked at maybe doing that one today, but thought a bit heavy. No, I don't believe so. I think the police actually got him in the end. Um, so it's, mm, I'm going to give it a believability of three because that's what's tattooed um, on the right side of my left teeth. Neil? I mean, yours, yours have all been preordained, so, you know. I, I'm just... Yeah. I'm just my mind is completely blank about apart from yeah, one. Darren Brown's number six. Um, Darren Chocolate, you mean? Yeah, that's an important bit in your brain. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. So, Neil, believability. Yeah, he's thoroughly competent at his what he does. Um, well, he's more he's more competent at stripping, but he is. Comp- but you know, 
he's okay. Well, the, he's, got, he's got a couple of feathers to his cap, hasn't he? So, you know. Well, exactly. That's good, you know. So, to be honest with you, that was a mediocre trick. Now let's have a look at your penis. Geek. <laughs> geek, yeah. He's um, very much part of the gig economy. I'm sure he probably does deliver as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, come on in. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to eat my curry. <laughs> Strip for me. And then um, get me... And make me bite into an onion and dance around like a chicken. <laughs> Which is exactly what Darren Brown does, obviously. <laughs> uh, okay. Believability, Dale. The things I've seen, and this is probably 10 years out of date, but he did like predicting the National Lottery live on air and stuff like that, didn't he? The thing I used to like about Darren Brown is he was like a debunker of these things. Yeah. And now he just seems propagating them instead. No, he's all debunked. Well, like, he tells people how he does yeah, it. But, after, yeah, but he, he claims that he was able to predict the lottery numbers, which is absolute bullshit. Um, that was a he's long time ago. Crowds. No, I like his shows, you know, he's, he's very he's very honest about the fact that it's all there is no such thing as magic and there's no such mm. thing as reading people's minds. It's all suggestion and being able to pick up on things and knowing how the human mind works, you know, kind of yeah. does it scientifically and explains it all. Um, yeah, no, I like him. But there we go. Um, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't I pay 60 quid. I just wouldn't that, that lottery one and just his explanation was just nonsense to me. Anyway. We I wouldn't pay 60 quid a ticket, though. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, unless he maybe bites an onion and dance around like a chicken. In the, you can do that yourself. Yeah, well, I do do. Exactly. So, why, so you just you're paying for the audience, basically. Like ourselves. I want to become podcasts. one of those people. Unfortunately, I'm about 15 years too late. But we just display some obnoxious behaviour and then get like, a parlay, a cheeky little reality show career out of the back of it by being yeah. an obnoxious person. That was the. Oh my god! Probably go and get into politics now. And that's that's the arena. Again. <laughs> um. <laughs> Now that reality TV, they've realised that's probably not a great source of uh, behaviour. Was believability. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we you know we know that the Gorbals vampire. It's going to be another nice story one for me. I, I quite like this story. It's quite a nice little thing. But um, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I think you know, we we pretty much know it was just it, it was made up. Um, it was just kind of like a bit of mass hysteria or whatever whatever the root cause is. Whether it was kind of like. Um, Poverty. I mean, certainly don't believe it was American comic books. No. Um, and I don't believe it was the Bible or people going to chapel or any of the rest of it. Um, so I'm not convinced by any of that. But um, yeah, it's just, just kind of like, um, you know, some, some rumour mongering of some, some half understood concepts and uh, yeah, you know, something to do basically. Um, that's going to be another one for me. Another one. That's low so far. So reach. Thanks. Objective, gotta be objective. Gotta be objective. So, Reach, I found lots of articles about it up and up and including 2020 about this. So, it has reached through time. Um, they've put a big mural of it in the Gorbals, they're quite proud of it now. Um, there's a uh, let's have a look. I mean, there's lots and lots about it. Um, but I don't. You see, People I feel like it's really gone out much past the global. So I get that. Well, I heard of it. I had heard of it prior to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's very it, it's it's probably known by everyone in Glasgow. 
It's probably known by most people in Scotland and it's known by a few people in the rest of the UK. I doubt it's known anywhere else particularly. So its reach isn't very large. Um, I'm going, but with this, I'm tying in Jenny with the um, Dith because I think that the Gorbals vampire wouldn't have existed without that initial seed myth. Mm-hmm. So then that pushes it back to 1800. So there were, you know, there was clearly myths around a vampire with the iron teeth kicking around Glasgow, Gorbals area for 150 years. So that's that's a fa- that's a fairly long-standing myth, and you know there's still stuff being written about it now. People are still interested. Um, surprisingly, there hasn't been a film made of it yet that I can see. Um, but I think none. Do you know what? Like for its longevity and everything, I'm going to give it a five because that's what's written on the uh, right side of my right breast. Is there anything about there about um, you know who stole your milk? No. I was just trying to think. What? I'm sorry, I forgot what crime it was. You were trying to track down. Was... Nothing. No crime. No oh, crime. Okay. This is just the, my scores that I'm unveiling underneath, um, which have been tattooed on. But I've had a Mister Man plaster stuck on each one um, since, since. So I'm just peeling them off and then reading, this, you know, and reciting the thoughts that have been implanted in my head by Darren Chuck. I was, I was hoping it would be, be more memento than that. It was like some, you know, not that, not that I know at the moment, track down. but who knows? But then you might, you might have uh what's it called? Anterior grade amnesia. Could do. It could be like the TV show blind. Spots. Can you remember what we said at the start of the podcast? I don't even know who I am. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so, Go on then. That teddy you owe me. That teddy I owe you. I led you at the start of the podcast. Yeah, I'll um, I'll send it through um, after after we've knocked off. Um, right. Which is it? Your one now for? Uh, no, it's you. Reach. Reach. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, a probably similar argument actually, and I feel bad about giving it such a low score on the other ones, but for the objective. But yeah, I, follow the science. It does, exactly, you know, you can't apologise for objectivity. It does feel like quite a regional one, but it has actually trans- sort of kind of transcended that. So it's it's obviously a very regional urban myth, but then so were the hairy hands of um, Devon or whatever it was called. Often. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, still, it's still being referenced in sort of articles and things today. It's, you know... It, I'm a kind of local character. I don't think... Other than other than kind of like people who are sort of you know I can imagine Mike Myers might have some things to say so might, some Americans might be if they're sort of the Scottophiles or whatever the right phrase there he's is. Canadian anyway yeah Hibernophiles I don't know um, like Scottish Canadian he'll have you know he's just so, been um, a I friend think his dad was Scottish wasn't he yeah his, um, yeah. he's just wrapped up What's filming a new film in the UK because I know someone who was working on it with him. Oh, okay. Hmm. Oh, see, see what um, that's like. <laughs> I think just as long as it's not comedy, because he did some very good stuff in the nineties. Well, it'd have to be. He's a comedian, isn't he? Well, no, because he did Inglorious Bastards, and he was just right. playing like a colonel in that. So I think he's. But this yeah. is a Mike Myers film, so I would imagine oh, okay. it's a comedy where he plays other characters. Okay, I'm not going to be funny, but I'm not looking forward to that. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll pull it out of the bag. Anyway, you digress. Or or it'll be. (laughs) 
Gonna be unfunny shite. More far more likely. Um yeah, so reach um yeah, it's regional, as you say, probably not going across to too many other countries, but then quite a few of these things are regional still. Interesting use that you know, quite a lot of it taps into the earlier folklore. So yeah, it could be a five for me as well, I think. Five, lovely. And narrative premise, Neil. So this is where you get to boost the scores because you like this one, don't you? Yeah, but isn't it? Well, actually, you know, it's... there's not. I mean, there's not. There's not that much to you know. It's the vampire with iron teeth. Yeah, let's go kick its head in. It's pretty much <laughs> pretty bog standard Glaswegian. <laughs> You know, that's that's a, that's a Friday night. I mean, I, I don't know. There's not there's not that. Well, I think okay. I'm, I'm going to slightly interpret it a different way here, um, but just trying to stay objective. Um, I think the narrative around the whole kind of like creation. What's quite interesting here is rather than just an ongoing, oh, you know, he still prowls the moors to this day or whatever. Um, actually, we've got an encapsulated kind of like the creation and you know, death of a, of a of a bit of folklore, but kind of like how that wields into the whole culture as well and tells us a little bit about sort of governing the 50s, which I think is quite a quite an interesting narrative. And, you know, I think the article you were, you were reading from, there's quite a lot to take there in terms of the sort of, you know... Yeah, working so socioeconomic and, situation at the time. Spirits of people at the time and kind of like, you know, that that's that's all really sort of... That's quite interesting. And, yeah, it's quite, quite interesting, um, you know... Things and, and obviously politicians are looking for the easy fix and all the rest of it. So I'm going to take the overarching narrative, the meta narrative, if you like, be really pretentious, um, and incorporate that in for my score and give it an eight. An eight, lovely stuff. So um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think that yeah, there's not much of a story there, but I think if you go back again to where the story came from. There was a witch with iron teeth these kids. Again, it's not really much of a story, is it? <laughs> um, Vampires have been done better, I think. Yeah. Abraham Stoker probably wrote a, a more interesting story. I yeah. don't remember them having iron teeth, old Dracula. But... No, no, all, all his own, uh, which he was very proud of to get going. These are all my own. Um, so. Brushed them, brushed them twice a day, so fair enough. Yeah, that's good. Avoided acidic foods. <laughs> yeah, didn't um, didn't eat crisps because no. the starch would get stuck in the teeth and turn to sugar. Didn't smoke. Just <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, there's not much of a narrative there. Uh, there's not much of a premise there, really. Um, yes, the sort of, the, like the fact that uh, it's been sort of. Skillfully woven into um, probably better than any other urban legend we've looked at. It's it's been woven into uh, the actual situation of the people, you know, and what they were living through at the time. So I think almost, to be honest, um, David Castleton pretty much has encapsulated this whole story and. I think he. I think he's he's done a very good job on this. Mm. So I'm, I'm impressed with his work. So um, I think, based on that, I have to ask you to express that in numerical form, Chris. Yeah. So let me just uh, have a look under this, Mister Man Plaster. It's a seven. 
So that gives the Goebbels vampire, Goebbels vampire, not Goebbels vampire. That's a different thing. That's <laughs> that's, a, that's yeah, another story for another movie. time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's thirty-seven out of a possible eighty points. So nearly half marks. Not too bad. I, you know, um, started off slow, but it, you know, it got there in the end. So that was, or this is so far. I mean, I think because. I feel like a lot of our ones do end up pretty much with marks in the middle with these ones. I'm going to have to, have to look at the, the deviation really. around our scores. There's a fair amount of deviation. There's a no, fair amount. Um, yeah, and, and so I think the fact that, you know, it's kind of all tied up nicely in a bow. He explained where it came from, you know, the previous myths, explained mm-hmm. what happened, had interviews with sources, the kids, um, explained the situation everyone was in at the time and what the area was like, said how people tried to use comics to do it, and how now it's a nice bit of folklore which the people have um, embraced and um, it's just a nice bit of local legend. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all tied up in a, with a nice bow, isn't it? There's not really anything... anything you that really advise anyone, you know, just probably... You know, don't need to listen to the podcast. Just go and read the article, really. Just summarise it a lot quicker. Get to the point. <laughs> Less rambling dissertations and whatever. Yeah, but, you know, that's what people are here for, not... not. <laughs> um, there you go. See, Mike Myers. Exactly. Can't deny it. Can't deny it. So, um, you know, if you are... Swing. <laughs> swing. Swing. <laughs> Um, randomly introduced these catchphrases at inappropriate moments that's what I like to do so if um, if you are in the Gorbals looking for some folk art while sipping a cappuccino when you're and you're about to go to an art gallery that used to be a steelworks try not to have nightmares I'm going to I'm going to go and uh, go buy up um, a, a tenement I think and then Make myself an iron. I'm going to build it out of iron and uh, make myself an ironic version oh. of the myth that we just had. Oh, nice. that, that thought wasn't thought through or expressed. In any <laughs> okay, well, um, on that uh, prescient note from Neil, um, that's it from this week's Urban Legends. Goodbye. Hello, Java here again. Thanks for getting through it all. It was quite long, wasn't it? But that Goebbels vampire character seemed rather unsavoury. But then again, is there anything more precious than the imagination of a child? Don't forget to check out the ticket office at the Lowestoft Playhouse. I hope to see you there. Ta-ta!